For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's uh, Monday. We're now in the last hours of Hanukkah, and uh, I wanted to share an idea as we leave, um, which occurred to me in the context of a talk I'm giving this coming Mitzvah Shabbos. I attend some of my lectures, and uh, I think it's uh, interesting in, in the Hanukkah context as well. I'm doing this one for the Pollux. Uh, Kathy hurt her foot. Unfortunately, she just I just found that they can't come on the Israel trip. That's a real shame. Um, but I know what the uh, bad feet are. I got, I'm still wrestling with my own, with my knees, and um, I wish I, her uh, very much for a full shlema, along with myself. <coughs> So, uh, without any further ado, I'm going to, I could even entitle this Hanukkah and the Ukraine War. Again, Hanukkah and the Ukraine War. Because it's very interesting to me, uh, the question of identity. Um, I was writing, as I say, getting ready for this Mosei Shabbos, uh, which is about Israel in the 90s, and talking about the Arab state system, which is a system of states that you and I know that were uh, were created in the 20th century by the Europeans. So all the borders that you see in the Middle East were not by the Middle Easterners themselves, but by the British, the French, people like that. And those borders are still there today. And when the British and the French primarily, back in the 1919, 1920s and all that, uh, when they drew those borders, they did it for British purposes and French purposes, not for local purposes. And I'll see, you'll hear what I mean when I say about Hanukkah in a second. And uh, this has always been problematic because the Middle East is primarily composed not of uh, nations with national identities in the modern sense, but um, ethnicities and shvatim and tribes in that sense. So, you know, you ask somebody who's a Syrian Druze, I mean, he's a Druze, you know what I mean? He's a Syrian Druze. You don't necessarily identify with the Syrian state, which is an invention of the French in the 1940s. Or uh, you ask some Lebanese, uh, you know, uh, uh, Maronite Christian. I mean, they identify with their Shevet, not with the Lebanese state, which is kind of artificial and created by the French once again. Or Iraq, which everybody knows. See, these are the countries that are falling apart. Iraq, which was put together by the British to make a consolation prize for one of the Arab princes that they felt they owed something to, the Faisal, and they stuck together three pieces that don't really fit together, except that they're geographically con- contiguous. Uh, you have the Sunni uh, thing in the middle around Baghdad. You have the Shiite business all throughout the south of Iraq, which is where Avmavino came from, and in the north of the Kurds, and none of them like each other. You know, three, three groups, none of whom like each other, all stuck in one country. And the point is, that the countries take the attitude that your primarily, primary loyalty has to be to the state, to the country. Um, and if you violate, that will kill you. And this has been the nature of the Arab dictatorships, you know, and all throughout the 20th century. <clears throat> I mean, they were massacring people in Iraq in the 1930s. Now, you probably don't know that. Look up the uh, uh, Assyrian massacre, Assyrian massacres. So uh, this, the modern state is like a funny business. It's sort of a God which demands exclusive loyalty. Now, 
Um, so that means that if I feel like a, a, a Kurd living in Iraq, oh no, from the point of view of the Iraqi government, if I don't say that my main identity is that of an Iraqi citizen, even against my own people, then I'm Chayv Misa. And, they'll, and they have killed you. Um, so the question is, what's your identity? How do you regard yourself? Which is an interesting uh, you know, exercise. If you know anything at all about the history of Israel and Zionism, and you probably don't, I mean really know it, you'll know that the Palestinians, as they call them today, did not have an identity for the most part, except among small small groups. If you went back 100 years ago, the whole shot of the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem and others was to awaken an identity. But even in the in, in 1948 war, there were many Arab villages and places that simply didn't participate because they said, we're not part of the Arab-Israeli dispute, even though they were Arabs living in Israel. People don't know this. Now, it's not true today. Today, everybody's, uh, what's the right word? Their consciousness has been raised and everybody feels like they're a member of a certain team and they kind of act that way. That's one of the results of the post-1948, you know, uh, reality. But it wasn't always. Now, this new gay even right now to the Ukraine. But let me talk about Hanukkah first. I think everybody listening to this podcast, or many at least, now, the Hanukkah, if you've heard me before, was primarily a battle between two Jewish groups, although the no question that the Saluka government pl- played a major and a terrible role in this, no question about that, and they did a lot of the torching, but so did the other Jews. And so, you had to, uh, to use modern terminology, the firm versus the non-firm. You know, the Hellenists, whatever you want to call them, it's not clear how to exactly define these groups, but there were two sets of Jews. Now, listen closely to what I'm about to say. There are stories in the Book of Maccabees and in rabbinic literature as well that the Greeks, as they called them, were the Hellenists, Jews, whoever it was, did prohibit things like Shabbos and Brismila and, and things of that nature. Um, so what did they want? So you say like this, they wanted to, it's a Shasa Shmad. Shmad is usually defined as joining another religion. The problem is the Greeks did not have exactly a religion, you get it? Uh... The Greeks had a system of gods and things like this with a pretty loose goose. You and I, when we talk about converting to another religion or things like that, see, we have in mind the big three, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. All of them kind of resemble each other and they're very sharply defined as, as certain groups. And it's like the Orioles, the Yankees, and the, I don't know, you know, the White Sox. You know, three clear teams. And if you, if, you, if you join one team, you're not in the other team. If you join the other team, then you, you, you're no longer... If you join the Yankees, you're not in the Orioles anymore. You understand? You say, no, I want to be both. You can't be both. You're either, you're either one or the other. That's the uh, nature of the monotheistic religions, even though theoretically it's possible to do that. Now, having said that, there are people that exist in the, in the gray area in between, but they're never really accepted by either side, certainly not by the Jewish side. Now let's go back to Hanukkah and that thing. So what was the shot with the, what they call Misyavnim? What I mean to say is like this. Were they out to make everybody renounce their Jewish religion? Or were they out to sort of uh, introduce Hellenistic norms and religious norms and it's a mishtkite together with Judaism? Did they want another type of Judaism? Um, it's not 100% clear, but it seems to me 
that uh, they were interested in the latter. They were Jewish. They weren't renouncing that they're Jewish. I'm talking about the Hellenists now. But they did want to kiss up to and imitate the Greeks. Imitation means you're Jewish, but you also identify with the Greek culture. So we're talking about a certain syncretism in which you have both. You know, you go to synagogue on Saturday and church on Sunday, as they say. And you can't say, make up your mind. I don't have to make up my mind. I do what I feel like doing. This speaks to me. It works for me. And so it is true that during the height of the Maccabean revolt and the Hellenistic persecutions, they did kill people for eating Shomer Shabbos and things like that. That is true and torture people. But that's because it was a wartime situation and they were trying to, uh, uh, you know, defeat the other side. Uh, plus, they knew that for a from Jew, and the people were at that time traditional were from, making them break anything is like a shocking event. But overall, um, I think that, you know, Jason Menelaus, these other guys, wanted to be high priests of the temple in Jerusalem. And they wanted to do the temple stuff, but they also wanted to do the Greek stuff. So you keep kosher, you keep treif, I keep both. <laughs> you would have, you know, Jewish ceremonies, you also have non-Jewish ceremonies. Um, it didn't quite work out the way they wanted because of the Maccabean revolt and the war and the intensification of the struggle between the two sides. But as I think many know, in the long run, the group I'm talking about, the Hellenists, re-emerged as the Tzedukim. In which case, they literally were, you know, trying to, to do a, 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 some sort of syncretistic Judaism. We don't know enough about Tzedukim to know exactly what's going on. What they had in common was that, you know, they didn't want to be under the Frum, right? They didn't want to be under the Agora. Uh, they didn't want to do it differently. You know, they want to have their own show. It's like somebody's like, I don't want to be in your show. I don't want to be in these shows where I have to dress this way and do this and that and the other. I want to do my own thing. Maybe it'll come out to be Orthodox. Maybe it'll be something else. I want to do my own thing. So it's precisely the uh, refusal to sort of put yourself under the dictatorship of the Chachamim, which means the Sanhedrin, which defined the Hellenists and the Tzedukim and the others. Uh, so we're not talking about being... Uh, idealistically into Hercules and Zeus and all the rest of it, because I don't think that they were. Um, I don't know anybody who even says that. It's, you know, even the most frummy interpretation, which would be, you know, Doris uh, Rishon uh, from Alevi, uh, Victor Miller, they just would look at it very cynically and they say it was pure power of politics. They're in for power and glory. They don't believe any of it themselves. I don't know about that. Um, you know, that's I'm, I'm not sure that's true. But in any event, they wanted they they weren't renouncing their Jewish identity, but they wanted to be Greek Jewish, Jewish Greek. You hear what I said? Both. Now the problem, and that is extremely typical of what happened everywhere throughout the Middle East in that era, when the Greeks were at Alexander conquered the Persian Empire. All throughout the Persian Empire. Exactly that happened. That the Egyptians and the Babylonians and the Syrians and the Persians and this, that, and the other all were so overwhelmed by Alexander and his victories and the, and the culture he seemed to represent, which looked like it was on a roll, that they all Hellenized to an extent. You know what I said? 
they didn't necessarily give up their own practices, but they added the Greek stuff to them. This is like a key element in the history of the Middle East and even of the West and the rise of Christianity, frankly. The fact that there coexisted uh, different strands of uh, religious ideas, even if they made no sense being put in combination, but they were put in combination anyway. So, for example, the Egypt was conquered by Alexander and then ruled by the Ptolemies. Uh, Egypt, you don't need me to tell you, Egypt had religion long ago. And my good, heavy religion, you know, the time I had around before Abba Mavinu. And all the, the Elohei Mitzrayim, uh, the Torah talks about. You know, uh, I mean, dozens and dozens of gods of all sorts, including alligators and pussy ants. I'm serious, I'm not being funny. And then came Alexander and the Greeks and the others. And all of a sudden, you've got to not believe in all these different types of uh, gods and instead believe in the Greek ones. Well, that wasn't so push it. And what happened to Lamaisa was that the masses of Egyptians sort of said, sure, we believe in this, that, and the other, but they interpreted however they interpreted it, and they mished together in a certain shalom, Egyptian ideas and Hellenistic Greek ideas. Uh, I think I've spoken about this in the past. So, uh, just to give one example I'm talking about, but it's a very good example, Serapis, which is that the Greek conquerors regarded themselves as superior to the peoples that they conquered for a number of reasons. And one of the reasons was, as in Egypt, that even though Egypt was a powerful civilization and had once been a great empire, as they knew, but they couldn't understand how people can worship behemoths, animals, ants, mosquitoes, who knows what, you know, which they did. Now, I could explain the Egyptian religion, but I'm just not in the mood to do so. But, you know, they're all manifestations of a grand, you know, deity. But nevertheless... It was weird to the Greeks that people should have idols of behemoths. Chaius of behemoths. You see, to a Greek, it was obvious that you look around the world and they're all kind of creatures. Man is the top creature. The man is plowing with an animal. Man, animal's not plowing with a man. Not like Planet of the Apes or something like that, you know. They, 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 the human being is the boss. So if you're going to represent a god like Hercules or, you know, Jupiter or something like that, it's going to be in the form of a human. Does that make sense? It's going to be in the form of a human. Hence the idea of the Greek god or the Greek goddess, which they regard as an, an ideal human form. The guy look, the Greek god looks great. The Greek goddess, she looks great. You understand? The right muscles, the right this, and all, all the rest of it. Because they're trying to idealize. Ideal means you take that highest idea level. You can't, can't reach perfection, but you go on the road to that. And uh, therefore, if there are any deities and they're going to be represented, they're represented in human form. Because there's nothing higher than humans that people knew about. As far as we can see, the highest creature is the human. So anything that's going to be godlike is going to be like that. But then they came to Egypt and they saw is a statue of a, of a wolf, of a crocodile, or I don't know what, you know, all kinds of alliance and things like that. And people bowed down to them and get brought them carbonus and things of that nature. Why would you do that? I mean, I'm a person... I, I, I own lions, you know, I, I, I make them work for me. I do things like that. A lion knew maybe, but, you know, uh, a, a cow, you understand? You know, remember, Moshe said that we can't shech the lamb, got to go out of the country. Uh, a lamb? I mean, we eat lambs. Why 
Why are we worshiping something that looks like a lamb? And so uh, you had this clash. And what emerged from the whole business? Because the Greeks in the Hellenistic culture did dominate Egypt for several centuries. And the answer is, they made a compromise slowly and organically. And with Serapis, in other words, it's the body of an animal and the head of a person. Did I say that right or was it the other way around? Was it the body of a man? Hold on for a second. Yeah, here it is. It's the, bo- the head of a man. It's in the body of an animal, something like that. In other words, you, uh, uh, it's syncretistic. You take part of one, part of the other. So the Hellenists, and by the way, the Ptolemies ruled Eretz Yisrael for over 100 years, and Hanukkah takes place shortly after the Ptolemies lost Israel to the Seleucids. So these syncretistic ideas are out there. And don't think it wasn't Mashpia on the uh, you know corrupt high priests and the Hellenists, all the rest of it, because uh, Jason Menelaus, you know, th- these were the guys that hung out with the government and admired the, the culture. So this isn't exactly what happened in the Seleucid Syria, but things like that happened. So what I'm trying to say is that these people, Hellenists, are like this. Why do I have to be Jewish in such an exclusive way? Not allowed to have a Christmas tree, not allowed to do this, not allowed to have that. I want to be Jewish. I like the Christmas songs. What's wrong with that? What's your problem? I love once in a while, I like a ham sandwich. What's your problem? Generally, I keep kosher. You know, that whole attitude, you see? Um, and different, they were trying to create a certain kind of Jewish slash Greek identity. Um, the Frum, the Maccabees and others, strongly resented this. And they asserted the old Jewish belief, which is not politically correct, which is that the Jewish identity is an extremely exclusive one. El Kano Hashem El Kecha, God is very jealous. The concept of a jealous God is because God's not really jealous. He doesn't have emotions. The concept of a jealous God is Judaism is very narrow. You know, if you're Jewish, that means you're not the other thing. Why can't I be the other thing too? What's what, what's your problem? Can't have it. Can't be. So what is the problem with syncretism? Can't be. Right? He won't let you worship any other gods and things like this. Uh, remember, it says in Ten Commandments, so you sounds to people like it's redundant. No, it's not. Um, the second one is an attack on syncretism. So fine, I worship you. And don't have any others. Why can't I have any others? And so it's a little bit like the idea that, you know, some people, you know, guys, I guess I've got one wife and I also have a girlfriend inside, or I have two girlfriends. And another relationship is like this. If you like me, then you don't like her. Or the other way around. Let's say it's a girl. With two boyfriends. If you like me, then you don't like her. You got to choose. Why do I have to choose? You have to choose. That's the Jewish thing. You got to choose. It's only one on one. This is a basic feature of Judaism. And the Hellenists obviously resented this. You understand? And so the battle on Hanukkah was a battle for Jewish identity. Is it the old Jewish identity, represented by the Maccabees and the Frumis and things like that? In which case, to be Jewish means to be not Greek. And to reject, in principle, all these different religious aspects of the Hellenistic stuff. And the other way is to say, to be Jewish is to have Jewish stuff. No question about it. We have a temple in Jerusalem, for example. Uh, We have Jewish stuff. But you can also have uh, Greek stuff. I'm talking about even at the level of religion. Now, um, this, I think, lies at the heart of the battle. And uh, remember, many, many people were in the Hellenist side. Maybe because they had the power and they would torture you if you didn't go along. I mean, that is Mistaber. We'll never know. It's not possible to know. It, it makes sense, but we, we don't know. 
but it's also true that, how should I put it, you know, um, they could be regarded as very, um, you know, the frump would be very narrow and stifling. Like, you know, like, like a person will say today, so I like Christmas song, what's your problem? You know, you're not allowed to like that. Why, why can't I like it? A from guy came to me the other day and said, I like the Christmas song, you know, <laughs> like he's revealing his deep, dark secret. Okay, and you know, what, what am I supposed to say? I, I get it, I do understand, and I can even understand the attraction if you live in America. But don't say it's a Jewish thing. Listen, everybody's got their issues. Don't say it's a Jewish thing. So the battle was one of, of Jewish identity. Can a Jew uh, identify as a Jew if he has other interests, religious interests as well. Uh, this will boil down today like Jews for Jesus or something like that, you know? I believe in Jesus. Why can't I be a Jew? So the Jews say, no. Why can't I have both? No. You see, what's what's the word in Jewish identity? In the state of Israel, they have to deal with this. I spoke about this on Saturday night a week or two ago over the question of Mihu Yehudi, especially now, uh, this is a big item that's happening with the new government. And I'm sure you follow the news if you're listening to my podcast. More or less, you follow the news in Israel. The new government, which has all these from parties, said we want to change the law in Israel because the law in Israel is you don't have to be Jewish halakhically to come to Israel. As long as you have one grandfather or grandparent that was Jewish, you qualify for the chokash with the love return. So here I am. I'm living in Russia or Ukraine or someplace like that. I'm a guy. Both my parents are guy. My mother had one parent, let's say a father, who was Jewish. All my other grandparents are not Jewish. But that's enough to say that I can go to Israel and say, you have to let me in and give me full citizenship as soon as I land. And they do. And they do. This has to do with the history of Israel, but I'm not going into that now. I'm simply saying that it's a machlokas of identity. So the from parties are saying like this. We hold that Jewish identity is itself identical with halacha. And the others say, no, it's not. So the Frum say, we say, that the only person that's Jewish is who the Allah says is Jewish. Either your mother is Jewish, that's one way, or the other way is you have a Geras with a, a duly constituted Frum based in, who went through all the right uh, rituals. And the others say, no, it's not, that's not the only way. So Hanukkah, you know, was a battle not between which religion you're going to join, which I think is how many people understand it, but which definition of Judaism is going to prevail? Because I'll say it again, they did not say that, you know, uh, we're completely switching over, uh, you know, and we're dropping our Jewish identity. The high priest still want to be the high priest. The head honchos still want to be the head honchos. But of the Jews, the same way they had in Egypt and Syria and elsewhere, local cultures and ethnicities overlaid with a Greek religious veneer. So that's what they want to have over here. That's what they want to have over here. Now, um, I mentioned before the war in Ukraine. It's very interesting because I spoke about the modern state, which is like a, a jealous God and said you can have no other loyalties, ultimate loyalties other than to me. And the state says you're Shavit and your religious group and the other things don't count compared to your loyalty to me. And the local peoples, especially in countries like the Middle East, don't feel that way. That's why you have a lot of these civil wars raging all the time. And if they're not raging, they're just, you know, below the surface, ready to rage at any minute. And now you have a wonderful example I'm talking about in the war that's being waged at this moment in the Ukraine because what's shot with Putin's invasion? I spoke about this before. 
Putin tainas that the Ukraines is really a kind of Russian. I, they don't feel that way. They're under false consciousness. No, they don't realize. He would say they've been brainwashed by Ukrainian nationalists and things like that. They, they, they don't realize who they really are. So to to Lahavdol, to use an example, suppose I knew somebody, suppose me, myself and I, I'm just pretending. Suppose I knew somebody who's, who's, uh, who's halachically Jewish, but doesn't identify that way. Because I happen to know that this is somebody who is Jewish, and let's say, for example, the mother died young or something like that, and it was raised by some family that was not Jewish. It could happen. It happens a lot. So I would perhaps be moved to try to talk to that person when they're growing up and say, you know, you consider yourself a guy. Actually, you're Jewish. It might be a shock to them, whatever. But that's somebody I'm interested in. And let's say I succeeded. And the person says, I'm leaving my Gaish identity and now I'm going to identify with the Jewish people. I would have had a big mitzvah. Even though all I did was nothing physical to the guy. I just persuaded him to change how he self-identifies. You see? How he self-identifies. And let's say I was a, a failure. I tried to be Makar of this person. I was utter failure. They totally regard themselves as Gaim. Which again happens. So... What would I say? I say, darn it. You know, the, the 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 society and the parents that raised him, they prevailed. And now he has a false consciousness. A false consciousness. Because he regards himself or herself, whatever, as not being Jewish. And really, you and I know that they are Jewish. Because the mother was Jewish and her mother was Jewish and her mother was Jewish and so forth and so on. You understand? So, it the battlefield is the battlefield of the consciousness and the identity. We're not talking about anybody being physically hurt one way or the other. It's all happening in how a person regards himself or regards herself. This is the great uh, fight. Uh, it's very interesting when you think of it that way. Now, Putin says, he asserts that all those tens of millions of people in the Ukraine don't realize who they really are. Really, they're kind of like Russian, a branch of the Russian people, but they don't realize it. And he's in, trying to take over and invade the country so he can rescue them from their own lack of, of proper self-identification. The Ukrainians say, like, heck with you, drop dead. We identify as Ukrainians. We sure as heck do not identify as Russians. The Russians screwed us over in history and are trying to do it again. And we, and we reject everything you just said. And so here's Putin saying this, no, 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 you're wrong. You really are, are Russians. And they say, no, we're not. Over my dead body, he said, well, that can be arranged. And so you have a major war raging. You understand what I'm saying? It's not a war necessarily for the conquest of territory per se, because that's the reason I used to say that it will never happen, a war like this. Of course, what, the Russians want to go back and occupy hostile territory? I mean, it's such a pain in the neck, I couldn't believe it. But what I failed to realize, I see now, was the thinking of Putin and those guys, which is that these people are long-lost Russians. And they've been brainwashed maybe by Westerners, by Ukrainian nationalists, uh, I remember Shevchenko and these other guys, and all kinds of other bad people, so they, they don't see who they really are. And it's necessary for us to conquer physically and wage a bitter war and take over the country in order to rescue them from their state of mind. Uh, the Ukrainians will say, I guess you're trying to brainwash us. I said, I'm not trying to brainwash you. 
except in the sense I'm trying to wash your mind of false ideas. And they say, we don't consider this false ideas. You see how it goes back and forth? It's an unusual war in this regard, because usually a war is Team A against Team B, and Team B has something Team A wants, and the TA, Team A is out to get it. Here, at least ostensibly, it's you know to rescue you from your false self-identification. What were the Hanukkah wars? The wars were over to proper self-identification, it seems to me. And so, had the Hellenists won, they would say like this, see, we are showing uh, all these frummies that um, the definition of Jewish is wider than they said. And uh, properly speaking, Judaism, properly constituted, should have elements of other religions in it. Now, mark this well. I can hear the Hellenist Taina. What do I mean? Throughout Jewish history until that time, from the time of Moshe Rabbeinu to Hanukkah, for a lot of that time, J- Judaism was syncretistic. Now, that was an Avera, <laughs> okay? And that's Gil It was wrong. At least, that's what you and I think because we follow the Bible, which is written from the point of view behold that those things are wrong. But anybody who reads the Tanakh knows Rove of Klal Yisrael, for a long, long time, like the Ten Tribes, for example, Mamish defined Judaism as syncretistic. What was the Eagle Azov, for example? What was a lot of these other type of idols? Achav considered himself a Jewish king, even though if I didn't every Avodah Zarah in the world, as the Chazal say, and the Pasuk says that he considered Yerub and Nevat garnish compared to him, himself. So he was really a bad king. Nevertheless, he was Jewish, does he regard himself as Jewish? Now, how can he be Jewish and worship the Baal? Obviously, his definition of Jewish involved, you can also worship the Baal. You understand? Now, the Frum contested that. And then the Vim, Elio, and Novi, and the others say, you're wrong. Isn't that exactly what Elio says in the speech? You know the story with Elio the Har Carmel. It's a, it's, it's, it's a critique, an attack, a rhetorical attack on syncretism. You can't be both. You can't stand on both sides of the road. If you're going to New York, that's one route. If you're going to Florida, it's a different route. Can't be on both sides of the road and walk the same time. The syncretists say, yes, you can. So Hanukkah was perhaps, uh, I would like to say the last hurrah, but it wasn't. The last hurrah of the Jewish syncretism. When I say it wasn't, you can defeat people in battle. And you can prevent them from taking over the state and running the base of Migdash. But you can't necessarily force change their minds. And as best as I can tell, and this is the famous theory of the Deir Rishon, which I think makes sense, that the uh, Tzedukim are the Hellenists, but just reinvented, you know, in, in, in a more nationalistic vein for certain reasons that I don't want to go into now. It'll take too too long. Uh, who are the Tzedukim? It's, it's very interesting, you know. I mean, those, they, they, they were Jewish. Um, as a matter of fact, they ran the Jewish state for a while under Yanai and all this sort of thing. There was a civil war, and they, the two sides killed each other. And, you know, 50,000 Prushim were killed by the Tzedukim, I think, Josephus, if I remember correctly. I mean, it was quite a, a business, you know, quite a business. Uh, what were they, who are these guys? Prushim, Tzedukim, this, that, and the other. At the end of the day, they're, they're arguing over what the definition of Jewish. Today, as we speak, let's say for in America, for example... Um, we see this happening more and more. It's been happening for uh, at least 200 years, but now it's happening more and more. Does Jewish mean that you advocate 
this type of behavior or that type of lifestyle or something like this. One group says it does not, you know. If you're Jewish, it has to be very narrowly this and this way and that kind of lifestyle and all that is usher. And the other one says, like no, it's not. Matter of fact, since it's America, a person like this, I can wear a strimal, a capota, and then on Tuesday, I go eat a ham sandwich, you know, because that's what I feel like doing. It's a free country. I do whatever the heck I want. And the other side says, no, 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 you can't do it. You have to go to show. <laughs> you, you have to dress a certain way. You have to renounce certain behaviors. You have to avoid certain type of activities. The other side, I don't have to do that at all. And so the Hanukkah struggle is perhaps existential. At least it's proven to be existential so far in Jewish history. That there are those Jews who define Judaism very narrowly. And um, that's the from. And to be Jewish means not only to you, you're macabre certain things on yourself, but it also means you reject in principle a lot of things out there. And the other way is, no, you can be, as I say, syncretistic, you know, uh, all you want, and uh, and still call yourself Jewish. As a matter of fact, you can develop whole arguments that that's the, the, the real and, and, and the true Judaism. So the battles for consciousness and battles for self-identification, I think, lie the heart of the Hanukkah struggle. And those kind of things are alive and well, fortunately not in a violent sense, among Jews today. They are alive and well in very much a violent sense in Eastern Europe, and the war is still raging between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, I think that's an important angle to understand as, as we leave uh, Hanukkah in a few hours. So anyway, once again, I want to thank the Pollux and wish Kathy a foolish uh, along with myself. And I wish you all a good day. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.